Hey there, I'm Mark Scarborough, and this is the podcast that has walked to the end of Inferno. Walking with Dante, we are at the last 13 lines of Canto 34 of Inferno. This is the very end. I'm I'm just undone by this. If you want to see the English translation of this passage, you can find it on my website, markscarborough.com, walkingwithdante.com. You can read it there. If you're dropping into this podcast for the first time here, (laughs) you missed a journey. We got all the way here to the end of Inferno. Go back 217 episodes and you'll find out how we got here. You got to the good part. You got to the climax. Here it is, lines 127 through 139, the very end of Inferno, Canto 34. As far as you can get from Beelzebub, stretching as deep as his tomb, there's a spot not known by sight, but only by sound, of a little stream that descends there. In the narrow channel, it is cut into the rock as it flows down its gentle slope. My guide and I made our way up this hidden passage to return to the world of light without thinking for a moment about resting. We made our way, he first, I second, all the way until I could see through a round opening some of the beauty that the heavens hold. And so we walked out to see the stars once again. I have goosebumps. It's just so beautiful. It is comedy. It is relief. Stars. These gorgeous things. Do you do what I do? I walk out of my house at night and I live in deep rural country and I look up at the stars and I just stare at them because it's so unbelievable to see them there. It's also unbelievable to realize I'm staring at time and not space, but that's a whole question of modern physics and how the universe works. But okay, let's let that go. They're just beautiful. The stars are so astounding. And we have come to the place in comedy where we finally see them. Let's talk about this passage. If you just started this passage, you would be correct to think it's disconcerting. Why? Because remember in the last passage we just came out of, Virgil was in a long explanation, myth-making, epic, grandiose about Satan's fall and landmasses rushing away and mountains getting thrown up. I want to talk a little bit about that in a second. And mountains getting thrown up, all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden you have this line, as far as you can get from Beelzebub, stretching as deep as his tomb. And if you were just reading along, you might think, wait, is Virgil still talking? Who's talking? That Dante the Poet has into into Virgil's space almost exactly is so intriguing about the end of Inferno. Virgil is offering explanatory material for how things got to be the way they are. And the very next line, the poet is telling us about how you get out of hell on the backside after you pass Satan. And it's very similar places. Virgil's is epic, in its description of land fleeing away from the falling Satan, Dante, the poet, is much quieter about a little stream trickling down. And that probably has everything to do with their characters. But it is both 
an explanatory space. And when we trip from one to the other, it does feel a little jarring. And I think it's supposed to. Let me also say that many dentistas say it takes half a canto to get out of hell. Well, that's not true. It does not. Okay, sure. In the middle of Canto 34, we turn around at Satan's hip or more vulgar spot, as we discussed. We turn around there and we come out through the little hole in the ice and you know, duh, Virgil sets Dante down. Yes, yes, yes. And that's the dead center of the Canto. But then there's all that explanatory material. It really only takes 13 lines <laughs> to get out of hell. 34 Cantos all the way up to this point. 34 Cantos down. Well, not okay, not the first canto, perhaps, but a lot down. <laughs> starting at canto three, let's say that much. Starting at canto three, down, 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 and thirteen lines to get out. It's kind of astounding. The get out is so fast and so crazy. Let me talk just a little bit about the get out. If you remember, Virgil had said that it's about 7.30 in the morning, and now at the end of this, we see the stars. Well, essentially, a day has elapsed. We have to move on to Purgatorio to know this, because essentially what we're seeing is the stars just before dawn. You don't know that yet. There's no way to know that. So there's no way to actually tell time from this passage. You don't know that 12 hours haven't elapsed since 7.30 in the morning. But still, nonetheless, time has elapsed a day. It takes them the day to get out of hell. It took them 24 hours to get from the gate to Satan. Now it takes them essentially a day to get out. This must be an epic climb that Dante so understates the climb must surely be thematic. It must be part of the mechanics of comedy. That is, the way down, which we've talked about is actually the way up, the way down is so epic. And when we turn it around and find hope, well, we're out pretty fast. One more word about Virgil and his epic making. Remember last time I said that we have come to a spot beyond Virgil's experiential knowledge. We know he traveled down to the bottom of hell because of a foe. And then, you know, we had to go back up. So once we come to that hole in Satan's body, we've passed beyond Virgil's experiential knowledge. And you'll note that Virgil in that last passage did say, perhaps when Satan hit the earth, the land here that makes this huge cavern went flying up and became the landmass, the mountain of Purgatory Above. It's that perhaps. Notice that Dante knows we're beyond Virgil's experiential knowledge. And so there's a slight quibble there. Perhaps that's what happened is Mount Purgatory was formed. I think that's very keen on the poet's part. Keen to let us know that we are beyond Virgil's experiential knowledge. So at this point, Virgil is making a supposition about how Mount Purgatory got there. Well, what is this big cave that got created as Satan hit the globe from the heavens above? 
it's a little unclear, and there's a stream that is unclear here. We hear about this stream descending in the narrow channel. It's caught in the rock. It flows down. This is the way out. Notice the way out is by sound, not by sight. Surely we could make something out of that, given how much sight has functioned as an activity of perception in Inferno, the way out starts not with sight, but by sound, by hearing the trickling of this little stream and following out. What is this stream? Well, there are answers to this. You have to wait until the end of Purgatorio to actually have a possible answer. But I want to tell you that even at the end of Purgatorio, the answer that we could have for this stream is still suppositional. There are all kinds of Dantistas who are going to tell you that there is a river. There is none. Well, they're not going to tell you. There is. There is a river at the top of Mount Purgatory. And they're going to tell you that this stream is that river dripping down Mount Purgatory and ending up here flowing on down toward the ice sheet of Cocytus. And maybe. But that's suppositional. What I like to think, and I prefer this, is that at the very end of Inferno, there is one little bit of inexplicability. What is this stream? Where does it come from? Why is it here? How could one little stream caught this channel in the rock as it trickles down? Was this stream here providentially to lead Dante and Virgil out of hell? Because who else has ever walked this path? No one. No one has ever come up from Satan's hip joint and come up to Mount Purgatory. So was this stream providentially put here just waiting for the pilgrim's journey? Maybe. Was this stream put here for other reasons? Maybe. Is it flowing down from the top of Mount Purgatory? Maybe. All of those things leave it slightly inexplicable. And I love that. I love that Inferno ends with a moment of ambiguity. You and I so badly as modern people want to nail it all down. As post-rationalist people, we want to nail it all down and explain it. Maybe there are some things that are wondrous without being fully explicable. And maybe Dante the Poet knows that. And maybe that's the note that ends Inferno. My guide and I made our way up this hidden passage. Really, here's the climb. I said it was 13 lines. It's really just seven. It's the last seven lines. My guide and I made our way up this hidden passage to return to the world of light without thinking for a moment about resting. <laughs> I would certainly need to rest, but okay. Without thinking for a moment about resting, we made our way he first, I second, all the way until I could see through a round opening some of the beauty that the heavens hold. And we walked out to see the stars once again. You should know that the last word of Inferno is stars. It's the way the line ends on the word stars. And listen, that is so crucial the stars are so beautiful. They so represent where we are on the earth. They are full of portents and meanings for medievals. They are theologically important, and they are just aesthetically pleasing. After all the disgusting mess of Inferno, all the crude bodily function references, all the boiling pitch, 
all that happens in Inferno to walk out into free air and see the stars. Can it be more of a comedy? No. Even Inferno is comedy. But if you don't look closely, you'll miss the most shocking word in all of Inferno. It's in that last line. And so we walked out to see the stars once again. Did you hear it? We. Now, in the text, the verb is conjugated without the subject as it would be in Italian, but it is still a first-person plural verb, we. That is the most shocking word in Inferno. Why? Because the damned Virgil is out of hell. You realize how shocking this is? Virgil, he climbs up the little stream bed and we walked out to see the stars again. Virgil gets out of hell. Who does this? No one. Not unless your love of Virgil is so great that you even risk theology, Christian theology, to let the poet you love more than anything walk out with you. Do you realize how shocking this is? Virgil gets out of hell. Think about what must be going through Virgil's head. He's walked with Dante through hell. He's already done that journey once, remember, from his backstory. He's done all this. He's grabbed all of Satan. He's got out, and he walks out into the air again to see the stars. He's dead. He's not only dead, he's damned. Dante No, not dead and not damned. Virgil, here he is, looking at the stars. If that's not comedy, if that's not hope, if that's not resolution, if you don't feel love moving the fence, if you don't see the absolute miracle of believing that what you love can last, then I suggest you just sit back Have yourself a glass of wine, a cup of tea, a glass of bourbon, and think it through because it is so shocking that Virgil walks out. We came to the end of Inferno, but you know there's so much more ahead. We are finished with one third of Dante's masterpiece, and we're not finished with it yet. I have a plan ahead of me and we're going to get to it. Don't worry. We're going to keep walking, but I have a plan about how to finish off Inferno properly. So subscribe to this podcast, rate it, like it, do all the things that you can do for it. I'm doing all the things I can do for it. We've walked together. We got here. We came out. We saw the stars with the damned Virgil and our pilgrim Dante. We're here. And there is so much more to be said about Dante's masterwork comedy. Thank you for having walked to the bottom of hell and up again to the stars with me. I'll see you on the next episode of Walking with Dante. I'm Mark Scarborough. Oh, man. Go out and look at the stars tonight.